Amen. Good morning, Airline Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that you have a blessed Sunday and that you rejoice and enjoy this time together as we worship God. Stand together at your chairs and couches, wherever you might be, and let's sing this, one of my favorite hymns of all time, At Calvary. Sing it out. Years I spent in vanity and pride Caring not my Lord was crucified Knowing not it was for me He died on Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary By God's word at last my sin I learned Then I trembled at the law I spurned Till my guilty soul imploring turns to Calvary Mercy there was great and grace was free Pardon there was multiplied to there my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and was free, pardon there was multiplied to me, there my burden sold and liberty at Calvary. Amen, that's such a good, good song. Let's sing one other good hymn this morning. Let's do Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Standing on this mountaintop Looking just how far we've come Knowing that for every step You were with us Kneeling on this battleground Seeing just how much you've done Knowing every victory Was your power in us Scars and struggles on the way But with joy our hearts can say Yes, our hearts can say
Church, let me say a super special thank you to so many people who work behind the scenes to make this happen. I'm telling you, Pastor Mike Welburn is pulling his hair out trying to scramble together equipment and people to help. I really appreciate Matt and Jenny Gregory who've loaned us their equipment. Pastor Chase is back in the sound booth today. It takes a lot of work, y'all. None of us saw this coming, so we were kind of limping along to make this happen. We have to borrow equipment every week. And, you know, I had such a special blessing this week. Friends of mine that live up in North Georgia, north of here they don't go to church here but they've been watching our broadcast every week and they just sent me a letter in the mail and it said mike i know during this time of pandemic when people are out of work maybe your offerings are not what they usually are and she went on to say now listen we tithe to our local church that's biblical she said we want to make a gift to airline baptist church and sent us a check for 250 dollars and said we want this to help you with the broadcast and help you with some equipment so we've got a long way to go but i just wanted to say a special thanks to pastor mike and those who are working behind the scenes to put this together and maybe God had put it on your heart to help us buy some of this equipment we need so they're not spending hours and hours day and night to put this all together so and saying that thank you church for your faithfulness to give even in this time of pandemic uh, airline baptist church are always so faithful to meet every need this is a church of the book this is a church that loves Jesus and loves his word and his word says that the tithe is the Lord's and the tithe is holy unto the Lord the word says bring all the tithes into the storehouse says the Lord and he says he'll pour out a blessing on us that we won't even have room enough to contain it so thank you for your faithfulness to give some of you continue to mail those here to our physical mailing address at the church and that's certainly okay some of you are texting uh the phrase airline baptist with no space in the middle airline baptist to 77977 or of course you can go online through push pay at our church website airlinebaptist.org slash give so thank you so much for your faithfulness to give and if you get an opportunity to make a special thank you to pastor mike wilburn just let him know how much you appreciate all the hard work he's doing if you want to give to help us make that a little bit easier and to improve the quality of our broadcast because looks like digital church is here to stay it's going to be with us for a while so thank you for your faithfulness to give to the Lord to help support ministries here and Southern Baptist missionaries all around the world. God bless you. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. 
I worship you. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here. Touching every heart, I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, mending every heart. I worship you. I worship you. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. 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 Cause you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, your work, even when I don't feel it, your work, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, you never stop working. Never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. 
Praise God. He is our way maker. He is that light in the darkness. So no matter what we're going through, we can choose joy in all of life's circumstances. What do you think about when you hear that word joy? What comes to your mind then? Maybe it's watching children open presents on Christmas morning and the joy that they have in their eyes. Or maybe it's the the belly laugh of, of a little baby. I don't know anything sweeter than to hear little babies laughing. One of the things I'm missing as pastor of this church is some of our babies that have been born recently. We're not getting to see these babies grow up. I miss the joy of hearing babies laugh. Maybe you think about vacationing in a tropical paradise, my favorite place to be. I don't know about y'all, but I'm in need of a good dose of vitamin C, S-E-A. I could use that. That would bring me some joy. You know, really the problem with all of these that I just mentioned, they depend on circumstances. What happens when all those Christmas presents are opened and Christmas is over? What happens when that sweet little laughing baby turns into a smart aleck teenager? What happens when it rains the whole time on your vacation and your vacation is over? You see, ladies and gentlemen, really, happiness depends on our happenings and our circumstances in life. So many times when the happiness flees, when a global pandemic and a plague happens and we're stuck at home in quarantine, when I'm preaching to an empty building and we're not able to worship together, you see, there's a difference. Joy and happiness stand in stark contrast of each other. Write this down, if you will. Happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Jesus. Do you get the difference there? Happiness depends on happenings, and those can change frequently, but joy depends on Jesus. And the Bible tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So joy is that quiet assurance, that quiet confidence that no matter what we're going through, no matter what happens, the God that we serve is in control. We're going to begin this week a verse-by-verse journey through the book of Philippians. Of course, this is written by the Apostle Paul to the church there at Philippi. He was writing to let them know how much he loved them and how he was praying for them. And the theme of this whole book is the theme of joy. We're going to call this choosing joy. I choose joy in whatever the circumstances are. Anytime I start to feel a little down in my life or a little, that dark cloud of depression want to come over your head, for me, I always run to the book of Philippians. I go right back to the book of Philippians here because it's all about having joy in the Lord Jesus. In fact, the apostle Paul mentions joy no less than 16 times in this little book. And this man knew something about having difficulty in his life. The apostle Paul had had faced shipwreck, persecution, he'd bitten, been snake bitten, and of course he's writing this book from a jail cell around AD 61. He's writing this letter to the church at Philippi from a jail cell. Why is he in jail? 
He's in jail because he was preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you remember what happened to him prior to that, before he became Paul the persuader, he was Saul the persecutor of Christians. He hunted down and persecuted and killed Christians. Dude should have been arrested then, but he got away with that. But once he turned his life over to Jesus and began preaching for him, it landed him in jail. He's in jail for boldly proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And Paul from prison is writing to the church at Philippi saying, listen, if I can have joy in prison, you can have joy in whatever you're going through. If that joker could have joy in prison, I can have joy when I can't get to worship physically with my church family. If he can have joy in prison, we can have joy if we get laid off from our job. We can have joy when we go to the grocery store and don't find the things that we need. So I encourage you, when you get down, run to this book of Philippians and you be with us all 10 weeks, the Lord willing. If the Lord comes back, we'll let somebody else do something else. But if he doesn't come back in these 10 weeks, we're gonna walk together through these four chapters. Philippians chapter one, and verse number one. Normally, when we're all together here in church, I would ask our church family to let's stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Maybe you want to do that at home just to follow along and be interactive. Philippians chapter one, verse number one. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. He's writing to the church, not writing to lost people right here. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I love verse 3. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Many times if I write a personal note to somebody, I'll write Philippians 1-3 on there, somebody that brings joy to my life. Verse 4, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that the God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You see, he was writing this letter to people that he loved and people that he missed. I wrote a letter and sent out to our church family this week, certainly not scripture like the apostle Paul, but just a word of encouragement of how much I love and I miss my church family and how we're praying for all of you. Write this down if you will, number one. God does not want us to be distracted by the difficulties of life. God does not want us to be distracted by the difficulties of life. Listen, if Paul was not distracted when he's perhaps chained to a Roman guard there in a dank, dark, smelly jail cell, we can have joy in the difficulties of life, in a global pandemic, in a plague. Philippians 1.1, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. A slave responds to whatever their master wants. If our master is the Lord Jesus, we get our marching orders right here from his word. He's writing from that jail cell, telling them that they can have joy no matter what. Let's just be honest. If you were threatened, I'm on, you're going to be thrown in prison and prosecuted and persecuted for sharing the gospel. How many of us would quiet down and keep our mouths closed? It's kind of foreign up until this time of pandemic in our culture. Now you've got pastors being arrested, people having tickets written because they pulled up to a drive-in church service. We're going to have a drive-in concert here on April the 25th. We rescheduled that prior when the prognosis was pretty bad with this pandemic with the Lefebvre Quartet. But on Saturday, April the 25th, I believe that is, at 4 p.m., a drive-in concert. We're going to stay in our cars. We're going to honor what the officials have asked us to do. We're going to worship from 
from our cars. We're not going to get out of our cars. But listen, in other parts of the country with governors uh, less conservative than our governor, Brian Kemp, here in Georgia, they've had tickets written for doing a drive-in church. So sometimes people are afraid and they back down. Not Paul. He just kept on preaching no matter what. Have you ever been persecuted, made fun of for being a Christian? If you haven't, if you can't answer that in the affirmative, I'd ask you, why not? Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. It's not a matter of if, but blessed are you when you're persecuted. And we live in a world that is so antithetical to everything we believe. When you take a stand for the gospel and a stand for the Lord Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. Verse 2 reminds us that we can have grace and the grace and peace of Jesus even in life's most difficult circumstances. So when you start to feel like you're having your joy drip away, run to Philippians. And look, number two, what else does Paul tell us about choosing joy in all of life's circumstances? Number two, God wants us to pray for one another. God wants us to pray for one another. Look again at verse 3. Paul says to the church at Philippi, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. As he prayed for his fellow believers there in Philippi, it brought joy to his heart. Even though I can't see you and hug your neck and shake your hand when I pray for you, it brings joy to my heart. See, it's one of the ways that you have joy even in the difficulties of life because when you pray for God to bless other people, when you pray for the needs of others, it takes the attention off of ourselves and whatever we may be going through at the time. The fact that we're stuck at home, the fact that I can't see my grown and married kids and hug their neck, the fact that my mama doesn't live less than an hour from my house and I can't see her and I can't hug her neck. But boy, when I start to pray for my family, when I start to pray for my church family, it takes the attention off my circumstances and it brings joy to my heart to know that God is the only one that can bless my family anyway so I take that to him how's your prayer life right now you got extra time at home are we praying more do you have a a prayer list a prayer guide I've shared with our church family before of all the things that I do prayer is the hardest because my mind's always racing if you hadn't noticed that about me I have a hard time obeying that verse that says be still and know that I'm God I got a hard time at Isaiah 40 31 that says they that wait on the Lord I have a hard time sitting still and keeping my mind focused I've had to come up years ago with a prayer list things that I pray for every day of the week some of those are the same my family my church family but different days of the week I pray for different things I need some system and some order in my prayer life and as I pray through that prayer list we're recording this on a Friday on Fridays I pray for all of the students I've known over the years that serve the Lord in vocational ministry pastors and missionaries and I'm going to tell you that brings joy to my heart when I pray for those I say young people some of them aren't so young anymore but they used to be when they surrendered to ministry It's one of the ways that you bring joy to your heart is to pray for other people. Let me ask you this question. Are the bulk of your prayers selfish? Are they for you? Give me this and give me that. Sometimes we treat the Father like he's some cosmic Santa Claus and he's just there to meet all of our needs. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 12, we read these words. 
Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship, the church there at Colossae, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you're following the whole will of God. I can assure you, verse 13, that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Let's pray for one another. Let's ask God to bless one another. When you pray for people that you love, it'll bring joy to your heart, even in difficult circumstances. It'll help you to choose joy. Number three, write this down. God wants us to genuinely love him and other people not just fake, cheap words. God wants us to genuinely love him and other people. Look at Philippians chapter one, verse seven. Paul says, so it's right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. Airline Baptist Church, you have a special place in your pastor's heart. Why? You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment, thank God I'm not in prison, and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. And in verse eight, he says, God knows. God knows, church, how much I love you. God knows how much the Apostle Paul loved the church at Philippi and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. You see, those Philippian believers had loved Paul, and he's loving them back. And when you love people, and listen, that's got to start with our love for the Father grounded in him. If I'm not right with the Lord, I can't be right with other people. God wants us to love him supremely more than anything else. I think about a line in the movie fireproof remember, y'all remember that movie fireproof and um kurt, kurt cameron the famous actor played the son in there and harris malcolm a friend of mine and a faithful georgia baptist pastor played the part of the father in that movie and he's talking to his son about his marriage and how to love his wife and he said this to his son who was unsaved at that time he said son you can't give her something you don't have You can't genuinely love other people until you know that you're born again. You have a relationship with Christ and the love of the Father is in you. So if you don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, I'm telling you, you can show affection to people, but you can't love them with that sacrificial agape love that the Bible talks about. So we've got to be walking in closeness with Jesus. I'm sure over the years you've seen that acronym for JOY, J-O-Y. It's an acronym. Each letter stands for something different. If you really want to have joy in your life, there's an order to that. Number one, you got to love Jesus. Put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. So many people think life is all about them and having their needs met. And church it in the way I like it, I don't like it. I'm down in the dumps. I'm mad. I'm going to be critical. Put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35 says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive, to give that love, to give to other people. Parents, if you have children, well, if you don't have children, you're not a parent, but if you have children and you are a parent, think back to maybe your childhood and what Christmas morning or your birthday was like for you and how much fun that was. But if you've got kids, think back to what it's like when you get to watch them open those presents on Christmas morning. When you've just knocked a grand slam, you got something that maybe they didn't think of, but you knew would bring them great joy. Which one gives you more joy? I'm telling you, for me as a daddy, watching the joy of my children when they got an unexpected surprise. surprise. Why? Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. So if we're going to experience real joy, we've got to know that God wants us to genuinely love and give to other people. And number four, God wants us to grow in knowledge and understanding. God wants us to grow in knowledge and understanding. Look at verse 9. 
He says, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I want you to understand what really matters in life. You see, when somebody gives their life to Jesus, when they pray and ask the Lord to forgive them of their sins and come into their life, you're just getting started then. Your salvation is secure, your justification, just as if you'd never sinned. But we got to grow in that. If you're watching our Wednesday night Bible study, Pastor Andrew challenged us this last Wednesday night to grow in our faith. How do you know what really matters? The psalmist says in Psalm 111 and verse 10, the fear of the Lord, that means the deep reverence, respect, the awe of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commands will grow in wisdom. We're on a 31-day challenge with some of the men of our church. We're meeting online every morning at 6 o'clock. We're up before then. We have the challenge to do something physical um, to help take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit, our body, before we get on. And we're studying the book of Proverbs. It's all about how to know and have the wisdom of God. If you're not a part of that, message us. Message Pastor Andrew or one of us, and we'll send you the links of men. You can join us every morning. You say, every morning? Absolutely, every morning. God didn't take a day off being faithful to, to us. We want to be faithful to him. You can have the highest IQ. You can have the highest GPA and still lack wisdom. Because just like you can't love each other without the love of the Lord, you're not going to have true wisdom unless that comes from the Father and the Word of God. You see, that's why our Christian worldview is so important. I think it's why our world is in so much trouble. We've abandoned a Christian worldview. We bought into the lie of secular humanism. What is secular humanism? Secular humanism says that we man creates God in our image. God's who I need. God's who I want him to be. He's a projection of my own mind. And then the mind of man and what I want, my needs and desires, that guides my morality. And we look at things like situational ethics. What may be right for you is not right for me. I might not ever affirm the killing of an unborn child through abortion, but if you want to do that, that's your business. That is a lie from the pit of hell because every life is created in the image of God. A Christian worldview starts with the fact that God made man in his own image, and he's given us his word, his wonderful words of life to show us how to have wisdom and how to make right moral decisions in our society. So you can't know God's word without a steady daily diet in the word of God. If you live a life disconnected from God's truth, I'm going to tell you, that's a life that's going to lack joy. Because when you lack wisdom, you're going to make dumb decisions. I'm telling you, it's, it, it seems to be epidemic in our world. I love, I love old people, maybe because I am one now, but I've always been taught to respect my elders and, and my mom's family. The, the women in that family lived to be well into their 90s. And I used to love going to Big Mama's house and Aunt Corinne and Great Aunt Emily and, and Great Great Aunt Alma, Big Alma, we called her. And I just picked their mind, the wisdom that those ladies had in, well into their 90s. If you go to a nursing home and you see such a stark contrast, those older people in the twilight of life who are full of the joy of the Lord, and then those that are cranky and old and mean. We just had the funeral this week of one of our very faithful members, Brother Bob Armour. He would have turned 92 if God let him live to June. That man always had a sparkle in his eye and the joy of the Lord, even though he had a wife with dementia he was having to travel to take care of, even though he had his own physical issues, he had the joy of the Lord in his life because he had that centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about another man, another church I pastor in this area, so some of you may have known him. His name was um, Earl Palmer. Earl Palmer was an artist. In fact, he, he designed that logo, that famous Georgia Bulldog logo that was very well 
well-known, especially in the 1980s. And by the time I became his pastor, Earl was already towards the end of his life. And I just loved going to visit Earl and have him share those stories. He was a great storyteller, as was Bob Armour. And one day he cried and he said, preacher, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, brother Earl, what's wrong? He said, I'm just sorry. I'm not going to live long enough to help you and support you as your pastor in my church. What a perspective. What a perspective at the end of his life. He wasn't worried about the fact that he was about to die. He knew where he was going. Just this week, one of our very faithful folks here at Airline got some really bad terminal news. Rather than me down in the dumps, that person called their Sunday school teacher and said, guess what? I don't have to buy a new car. I thought I had to buy a new car, but I'm going to be going to heaven soon. What a perspective. You cannot have a perspective like that unless you know Jesus as the Lord of your life and if you don't get the wisdom from his word. Listen, I've known some mean, hateful, legalistic people that could quote the Bible backwards and forwards and they could tell you all about it, but they lack wisdom because they lack a true relationship with Jesus Christ. God wants us to grow in wisdom and understanding in order to have that joy. Number five, write this down. God wants us to live pure and blameless lives. You're not going to have joy in your life if you make dumb decisions and live a life of impurity. God wants us to live pure and blameless lives. Look at the second half of verse 10. So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. That's repeated from verse 6 to verse 10. Paul knew Jesus was coming soon. You say, well, preacher, he hadn't come in 2,000 years. What does that mean? It means we're 2,000 years closer than we were when Paul said that. I don't know when he's coming, but I'm closer to it today than I was yesterday. So pure lives can contribute to the joy of the Lord. What does it mean to be pure? What does it mean to be holy, to be set apart, to be separate, to be clean and undefiled? Y'all know I was raised in rural South Georgia. Sometimes they'd have those cane grindings. They'd make that cane syrup and sugar, and they'd get the horse to go round and around. They'd grind that sugar cane, and they'd get that juice down. They'd boil that juice, and they'd hold it up to the sunlight to see if there were any impurities in there. Then you get those impurities out before you give that cane syrup to somebody. That's what God wants us to do. God wants Mike to hold my life up to the light, not just of the S-U-N, which I love to be in the S-U-N, but the life in the light of the S-O-N. In light of who he is, how pure is my life? How close am I living to the heavenly father? You may think you're doing pretty good compared to other people. Maybe you're not running around on your spouse. You're not drinking. You're not cussing. You're not doing drugs. But when I hold my life up against the light of the S-O-N, Go with me, if you will, back to Isaiah chapter number 6. When I think about the fact that God's holy, he's altogether separate, he's altogether different. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1 says, In the year King Uzziah died, he'd been ruling for a long, long time. People were panicking. They were wringing their hands. What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to us today? We're home in a global plague, a global pandemic. People are losing their jobs. In the year King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, I believe, shame. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they flew, and they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. A lot of times people complain. They just repeat and repeat in that music. Listen, if you don't like repetition in music, you ain't going to like heaven because that's what they sing over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the anthem of heaven, is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations. 
and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then Isaiah says, then I said, it's all over, I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. In light of who he is, listen, apart from the blood of Jesus, I am worthless, I am trash. I would just give up, but I know because he saved me, he's washed my sins whiter than snow, he's given me purpose in life, I can have his joy in all circumstances. So how are you doing in that area? We're to live lives of purity if we don't. We're going to lack joy in our life. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's what King James says. No corrupt communication. Well, I don't cuss as bad as most people. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's not just cussing, but it's backbiting. It's gossip. Listen, I know what a lot of people have for lunch on Sundays. You know, growing up, we'd go to my mama's house in Cordell. She always had a roast beef and carrots and potatoes. That was usually our Sunday lunch. A lot of folks I know, they have roast preacher for lunch. They go home, they complain about church, they complain about the preacher, they roast the preacher, and they wonder why their kids don't want to come to church. They wonder why their children are disconnected from the church because they've heard us fuss and complain. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5 says, put to death, kill it. Put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. First Thessalonians goes on to say, avoid even the appearance of evil. Not just sinful, blatantly sinful things, but even the appearance, not even a hint, one translation says. Philippians 1.10, why? So that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. What is blameless? What is blameless? You know what Teflon is? If, if you're cooking, we've got some Teflon pans in our house. We can fry eggs and do stuff in it, even with cheese, and it doesn't stick because Teflon keeps stuff from sticking. We ought to live so close to Jesus, so holy, so separate, that the accusations that the devil in the world throw at us, boy, it doesn't even stick. It just rolls right off the wall. We don't need to give any ammunition to the devil. Why? Because Jesus is coming soon. He says, until the day of Christ's return. Write this down finally, number six. God wants our lives to be living proof of the difference Christ makes. God wants my life and your life to be living proof of the difference he makes. Look at verse 11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Y'all, talk is cheap. You can say it all you want to. You can put a Christian bumper sticker or the outline of a fish on your car. You can wear your Christian t-shirts, but talk is cheap. We're to be living proof of our lives. I know a friend of mine who lives here in the area is a golfer. She plays a lot of golf, and I think she got to lead a friend to Christ one time, and she played golf with her so many times, she said, I noticed something about you. You don't lose your cool on the golf course. You don't cuss and carry on. Listen, she shared the gospel with her, but it was watching the difference that Jesus made in her life that authenticated the gospel. People are looking for something in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of uncertainty. We have got to display the joy of the Lord and the fruit of his spirit in our life. What is that fruit? I'm so glad you asked. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. The Holy Spirit who comes to live in the life of every believer when you give your life to Christ, he produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. 
When people see the fruit of the Spirit in our life, they know there's something different about us. They know Christianity is not just some old, old stories in a book, but it changes our life even today. When we behave what we say we believe, people will rise up and take notice of that, and they'll see our good works, Matthew says, and glorify our Father who's in heaven. But at the same time, it's going to bring joy to my life. I'm going to have the ultimate joy when I allow His Spirit to flow through me. It's been said that we're never more like Jesus than we are when we're suffering. Think about that. We're never more like Jesus than we are when we're suffering. Well, it's easy to praise the Lord on the mountaintop. But if you get laid off from your job because there's a global pandemic, when you can't see your own children who don't live with you, you can't hug their neck, you can't hug your mama's neck, when we can still have joy, we're disappointed by those circumstances, but the joy of the Lord ought to be unchanging in our life when we focus on him. If you've ever taken your children to a pediatrician's office, many times they've got some little, play, like a playground in there, some slides, some puzzles, and some toys and things like that. Why do they do that in the doctor's office? Because listen, many times those kids know they're about to get a shot. They're about to have them stick a depressor in their tongue and make them gag or whatever. Children are afraid of that. By having those toys and that playground stuff inside the doctor's office, for just a little while, it distracts those children from what's happening. That's how God works. When you've got the joy of the Lord in your life, it's like there's a playground, there's like a playroom in your soul. And even though things are bad, even though you don't know how long you're going to keep getting a paycheck, even though you don't know if the items are going to be on the grocery store shelf when you get there, when I focus on the joy of the Lord, that's that playground, if you will, in your soul. But it's not play, it's the real deal. Philippians 1.11, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about bringing praise and glory to our God. Write this down here on your conclusion. We're going to apply the truth of God's word. Number one, are you you choosing joy even in the midst of this pandemic and economic uncertainty? You see, joy is a choice. I can choose to focus on the negativity. I can choose to focus on the circumstances of my life. But I want to choose to focus on Jesus and have the joy of the Lord even in the time of greatest uncertainty in my lifetime. Number two, write this down. What keeps you from choosing joy in all of life's circumstances? What keeps you from choosing joy in all of life's situations? Because it is a choice. You can choose to be negative and mean and fretful and worrisome, or you can choose to focus on the God of the Word and the Word of God and His promises. If you lack joy, if you're struggling with having joy in your life, let me ask you some things. Is that a result of unconfessed sin? Is there some stuff going on in your life that you've not committed to the Father? Listen, we all struggle. I'm not pretending like I've got it all together. Can I just be honest with you? I do pretty good all day long. I mean, I'm focused on the Lord. I got the joy of the Lord. But you know when I have tend to struggle through this pandemic? At night. When I get down and it's quiet and I sleep with a CPAP and some of you know I have asthma. I put that mask on my face and the devil starts to say, well, what if you get this, Mike? You already struggle to breathe. You're really going to have a mess. I think about friends of mine who have COVID-19 right now. They describe to me what it's like to even breathe. Well, the devil starts to dart my brain. I have to hold up the shield of faith to reject those darts of the devil. My wife can't ever have to take that mask off my face and just sit up for a little while and just kind of let the Lord calm my spirit. So why do I tell you that? Because I don't have my junk all together either. Life is a series of choices and decisions. The joy in your life depends on your ability to make wise choices. Is there any unconfessed sin in your life that would hinder you from having that joy? 
Finally, number four, does your lack of joy point to not having a personal relationship with Jesus? If you lack joy, I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how long you've been a member of a church or how many times you've been sprinkled or dunked. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't know what real love is. You don't know what real joy is. But listen, it's so easy that a child can understand it like knowing your ABCs. The A of salvation is to admit. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. You got to admit that to God. God, I know I've messed up. I know I've made a mess of my life. The letter B stands for believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10 say, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, doesn't stop there. That's not enough to just say it. And believe in your heart that God has res- resurrected him, raised him from the dead. You can be saved. Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe, be, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And the C of our ABCs is to commit. You got to commit all your ways to the Lord. See, when you come to Christ in salvation, we're giving him a blank check. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Whatever you want from me, I'll do because I know that the only way I'm going to have true joy in my life is not only being saved, but living in obedience to the will and plan of God in my life. Pray with me, if you will. If you're unsure of your relationship with Jesus, you lack that joy today. I always say, don't get caught up in repeating the words of a preacher, but I just want to help you here. Mean this from your heart to the heart of the Father. Pray something like this. God, I know I'm not perfect. You just tell him that in your own words. I know I'm not perfect. All have sinned, and I'm one of them. You really believe that God sent his only begotten son, born of a virgin, who never sinned. You really believe Jesus never sinned because his father was God? Say, God, oh, I believe that. You believe what we just remembered on Good Friday, that they nailed him to an old rugged cross, lied about him, fake news that he'd done the things he didn't do. But he stayed on that cross, not because of the nails and the spikes, but because of of his love for the Father and his love for me and his love for you. You really believe Jesus died in your place? Tell that to God right now. You really believe what we just don't celebrate on Easter, but every day of our life we live in the reality of the resurrection. You really believe Jesus resurrected himself by his own power from the grave? Tell God that. I believe Jesus did that for me. Ask him to forgive you. Commit your ways to him that you're going to live for him. Ask him to give you a brand new set of want-tos and promise him now that you're going to honor him. If you just prayed that prayer or something like that, thank the Lord for saving your soul today. You say, Pastor, I know I'm a Christian. There's no doubt about that. But boy, I'm really struggling in this pandemic. I'm really struggling to have the joy of the Lord. Why don't you ask the Lord to reveal to you, is it anything, any sin that's been unconfessed? 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you need to confess some stuff to the Father, you do that right now. Maybe you just need to pray one of the prayers of Scripture. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Ask him to strengthen your belief in this time of plague and pandemic. Father, you've heard the prayers of your people, not because we're worthy, but because we serve a big God. Help us to honor you. Help us to live for you. Help us to demonstrate your joy even in the most difficult circumstances of life. And we'll give you all glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. 
hey, if you just prayed that prayer along with us or something like that, and you meant it from your heart, you want to be a Christian, you want to know beyond any doubt, that's only the first step. We just said, Paul said to the church at Philippi, you ought to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. If you just prayed that prayer, message us. Send us a private message or email us here at the church. We want to help you. You say, well, I don't even have a Bible. We'll get you a Bible. We'll mail you a Bible if you don't have a copy of God's Word. We want to help you get started right. And we want to rejoice with you. The Bible says when one sinner comes home, the angels in heaven, they just throw down and have a party. We want to rejoice with you and celebrate with you. So you can put that in the comments or send us a private message. If you have prayer requests, praises, you want us to pray for you, we would count that an honor. And if all you've done is watched along and the Holy Spirit affirmed in your heart, as far as you know, everything's all right with you and God, just check in on there. Let us know where you're watching from so we can rejoice with you. Thank you. Man, you've got zillions of choices on the World Wide Web of where you can go to church right now. We're honored that you would choose to worship with us here at Airline Baptist Church. And we pray for the day that these doors will be open and this building will be filled to the glory of God. So pray for those suffering from this pandemic. Pray for those heroes, those medical workers, healthcare professionals who are on the front lines fighting this virus. Pray for our leaders, those in positions of authority as they make very important decisions that affect all of us. And pray for a cure, an end to this pandemic. But above all, pray for the glory of God. Pray that worldwide revival might break out as a result of this plague. If you read your Bible, you'll see God has a way of using plagues to get the attention of his people to bring about revival. That's my prayer. We love you. We look forward to seeing you in person. Let us know if we can help you in any way. God bless you. You have a super blessed day.